Hi everyone, welcome to episode 24 of Vigilance for the End Times. I'm continuing on our latest subject on receiving the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Um, This is going to be kind of a compilation of different things, um, primarily because there just have been so many things on my heart concerning the subject and concerning um, all of you, my wonderful brothers and sisters that I have been privileged to to speak to the last few months. Um, there have been two great loves in my life. My beloved wife, Rupa, and the body of Christ. And for anyone who has followed my posts on Facebook since, I don't know, 2007... You know that these two loves have been the primary focus of pretty much everything I've ever written. Uh, When you love, when you lose someone that you have loved as deeply as I loved my wife, it literally feels like you need a brand new roadmap for the future that lies ahead. A future that feels totally uncertain and completely uncharted. Um, And I have shared my heart with so many of you here concerning the loss of my precious wife and your love and your fellowship. Your kindness has done so much to ease that burden. And for that, I want to thank you with all of my heart. There's another burden that I've been wrestling with for quite some time, a long time. And that burden has been the basis for everything that I've ministered on Facebook and every podcast that I've done so far. And in virtually every way imaginable, all of us share something in common. Whether you realize it or not, I hope most all of you do, but whether you realize it or not, we are all facing a future ahead that, to most all of us, yes, does feel totally uncertain and is completely uncharted. And we need a brand new roadmap for that future. And that has been the basis for everything I've shared so far on every podcast. And I have been struggling and straining with each episode to communicate everything that I feel down to the tiniest molecule spiritually and I hope that you have been able to grasp and receive the things that I've shared Um, 
everything that I've shared up to now has been in hopes that everyone will do all that is possible to prepare spiritually and in every other way for what is coming into our reality. Um, in April 1993, after attending a religious event in Palm Beach, Florida, um, I was taking a walk along the intracoastal. It was a nice sunny afternoon. And I was walking past this big First Baptist Church on Flagler Drive. And suddenly I had a vision of a large church with huge wooden doors that were padlocked and chained. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, The day is coming when the Institutional Church of America will be shut down. And true Christians would be forced to gather secretly and underground. Now that was April 1993. In April 2021, 28 years to the month, three churches in Canada were forcibly closed and locked up. Sometimes when God reveal something or declare something or show something, it may take a while for it to come to pass, but trust me, God never forgets. And I remember writing in December of 2020 on Facebook. I, I wrote on Facebook in December 2020, I believe 2021, we'll see the beginning of the unleashing of these forces. And as I just said, in April 2021, it did. Now, the first thing that each of us must understand and take to heart is that those forces, those spiritual forces that are working in that context, are part of God's sovereign plan. So what I'm saying is when it comes to the church, the true church, the true body of Christ, God is always in control of what shapes his people, not the enemy. I'll say that again. When it comes to the true church, the true body of Christ, God is always in control of what shapes his people, not the enemy. So take that one singular truth and implant it deep into the soil of your heart, your mind, and your emotions as an anchor to hold your heart steady in the storm that is coming. A storm that God intends to use to reduce to rubble all of the man-made, man-led institutions that have kept his people imprisoned and locked down spiritually and rendered impotent in the spirit, submitted to the headship of men, not that of Jesus Christ. The shuddering and shattering of these man-made institutions is coming to set the true body of Christ free. Now, for many, it will look like the end of the world to them because the religious structures are all they have ever known. For them, it is Christianity. 
they have for far too long identified with the instruments of religious bondage as being part of their Christian identity. They don't know how to exist without those props in place. Just like the Israelites who, after being set free from the shackles of Egypt, they wanted to return to the comforts and the predictability of enslavement rather than being free to be led by God in a completely unknown environment. And likewise, we will have to make a choice. We can fight for our right to assemble in the very buildings that God himself is moving to shut down, to set the true body of Christ free, to remove men who have taken the headship away from Jesus Christ, and to have that headship restored to its rightful owner. The Church of Jesus Christ, though many members, is a living entity meant to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and directed by Him. Under one head, the Lord Jesus Christ the soon-coming king and ruler of the earth. And every single one of us at some point must take to heart the truth that the inescapable, eventual reality is that we will each and every one of us be a part of that coming kingdom that cannot be shaken. And he is taking action now to prepare us to live and rule in that kingdom. For far too long, the little kingdoms of men have divided his body into dismembered pieces that are scattered everywhere. And he is jealous for his people like very few comprehend it. But we are about to see his merciful jealousy reducing to rubble all of the man-made instruments of confinement that his people have been subjected to. Now, if we can see his actions for what they are, we will welcome this and not feel threatened and overwhelmed by it. Look, God has already made us a kingdom of kings and priests unto himself, not a kingdom of pew-sitters, not a kingdom of churchgoers, but a kingdom of priests and kings. That is our spiritual kingdom status right now. As we live in this fleshly body, that is a done deal. It is a matter of spiritual fact in the courts of heaven. And he is no longer going to allow us to settle for the religious form when he shed his blood to make way for the other. Now, okay, so here we are, 23 episodes in. And when you boil it all down, what we have been talking about is the things of the spirit, the things of the kingdom, the kingdom that we are all a part of as an absolute, non-negotiable reality. The only question is, beloved, how real, how concrete, how tangible are those non-negotiable spiritual realities to us on a daily basis? How much weight 
do those non-negotiable spiritual realities carry with us on a daily basis? How much do they affect everything that we think, say, and do? Now, what started me on this particular train of thought is a question that honestly had me confounded and perplexed for the last few days. And sometimes the, the answers to the most difficult questions are right in front of our face. My question arose from an interaction from a really wonderful believer who is seeking more of the Holy Spirit and was very honest and open in his seeking. And I was trying to be as um, concise and direct as I could to help this person. But afterwards, my question rolling around in my mind and burning in my heart was, why is it so difficult for Western believers to receive something from the Spirit that is so straightforward and simple, in fact, so simple that people in the New Testament received it with absolutely no questions or problems whatsoever. So why has that now become so difficult? In this particular instance, I'm referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit which was a subject I was helping this believer with. Uh, again, a believer who was wide open and hungry for more of God, but was just simply having a little problem connecting some dots. Now, I have prayed for other believers to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and never did I ever have any difficulties once I had taken the time to get their hearts fully established in the Word of God. But it was also something that I have never done long distance before. In every other instance, I was able to disciple and establish these believers in the Word. And when the Holy Spirit gave me the green light, I was able to lay hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit in fullness. It's very difficult, of course, to lay hands on someone when they're thousands of miles away. And the New Testament is very clear that in most instances, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was received when imparted by laying on of hands. Laying on of hands, incidentally, is a foundational apostolic doctrine as per Hebrews 6.2, but that is one of the main problems with the Western religious system. We do not have believers across the land grounded in even the elementary doctrines of Jesus Christ as laid out in Hebrews 6 verses 1 and 2. We have a Western religious system where professing believers get to pick and choose what teachers they listen to, what teachings they follow, and what they cling to in the way of teachings, whether those teachings are biblical or not. What we don't have is believers well-grounded in apostolic doctrine, as was the experience of the early church in the book of Acts, who, as says, continued daily in the apostles' teaching. So 
right there, we have a huge problem in regards to being able to receive the things of the Spirit because we're not even grounded in the things the Holy Spirit gave the apostles to teach the early church and to ground them in. And we do not comprehend just how late in the game it is for us to begin laying foundational things of the Spirit into our lives. My biggest fear, if I'm honest with you, is that these things will not be given the attention they need and deserve until it's already too late. Now, it doesn't have to be that way, but human nature, especially here in the West, is a funny thing. We don't usually change until we have no other choice. But for those who are listening, I need you to understand something. This is... A paramount focus that the Lord has given me to communicate to everyone who will listen, everyone who will read, everyone who will take it to heart. And everything that I've said in these last 23 episodes is to get you ready, to get you focused where you need to be focused. And it is my hope that everyone who has taken the time to listen to these 23 episodes will take everything that was said to heart because this is where your spiritual head and eyes and ears and heart need to be and need to remain if you are going to make it through what is coming, if your families and your loved ones are going to make it through what is coming. And I want to encourage you to take these episodes and begin using them where you are for those around you that need to be established spiritually in the same way and keep it going. Form little discipleship groups or little home groups using these podcasts, the transcripts for them to begin laying spiritual foundation in others and multiply it in the lives of believers wherever you are. Begin discipling others right where you are. If you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you start laying hands on others and getting them baptized in the Holy Spirit and getting them discipled in the Word. Because we honestly are running out of time. The, the One of the focuses we need to, to continually keep in front of us is how much time we are actually spending just cultivating a relationship with the Holy Spirit, giving place to the things of the Spirit over the things which are seen, touched, heard, and felt. In other words, how much time we spend dwelling on the reality of things eternal as opposed to giving our attention, our time, our energy to the things that are impermanent and passing away. Because it should not be a difficult thing to speak to believers about the things of the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit, hearing from the Holy Spirit, looking to Him as our teacher, our guide, our comforter. But when the things of this world have taken such a hold in our minds and hearts to the point where the things that are eternal 
are seen through a dense fog and we have a hard time perceiving them as real at all, then we need to make some major, major adjustments. Now, and, and that that is something that just weighs on me all the time. Because let's just say, for example, one of us, one of you is, is going to lead someone to the Lord tomorrow and you're going to disciple them. What kind of disciple are you going to make? Are they going to end up being someone to whom the eternal is more real than what is seen? Because if I bring someone to the Lord tomorrow, I'm only going to be able to reproduce in them what is already in me. And the ache in my heart is that everyone listening to the podcast is able to absorb, I hope, some of what I'm saying in terms of the Lord building within you an innate spiritual perception that everything you see with your natural eyes every day is saturated in an all-encompassing sense of impermanence. That everything we see and touch and hear on a daily basis is on the edge of being eternally vaporized. That is a more descriptive way of quoting John in First John where he says the things of this world are passing away. Because we, we read it in the King James and it just kind of goes right over our head. Because then we go back to doing what we were doing before. But everything that you see in the natural on a daily basis, going to work, grocery shopping, vacationing, going to stores, whatever it is, all of this is... <laughs> Is scheduled for eternal demolition. Whereas, like Paul said, the things that are unseen are eternal. But how much attention do those unseen eternal things get from us? The thing about my wife was that even though she was homebound... For years and years, and struggled with horrific chronic pain and illness for over 16 years. And for the last six or seven years, she was totally bedbound in our home. She was able to stay so incredibly, unbelievably focused on praising the Lord, worshiping Him, giving her, giving Him her adoration and worship every day, while struggling with a body that was more of a prison than anything else. And... 
she taught me more about seeing the eternal than anybody I've ever known. And that is what I am trying to pass on to you, my brothers and sisters. And I'm praying with all my might that all of this is going to take root in your spirit and your heart and explode into a giant tree of spiritual growth. We are inheriting, guys, we are inheriting a kingdom that cannot be shaken. But how much of our imagination does that fact capture? How much of the time is our mind caught up in trying to imagine that kingdom? It's it's just as real right now. You can't see it, but we can't see Jesus either. We can't see the kingdom that belongs to us, that the Bible tells us about. You know, I spent a lot of time the past few days thinking about Daniel and Isaiah and Ezekiel. You should go spend some time in those three books this week. You should spend some time saturating yourself in their stories. They saw things that were more real spiritually than anything they ever felt or touched here. They saw the realities of God's coming kingdom, but, but they saw it in such a way that it was, it was real to them right where they were in real time. Daniel was serving the ruler of Babylon, but in reality, he was more serving the God of the universe, whom he prayed to, I think, at least three times a day. And these men, Daniel, Isaiah, Ezekiel, they had visions of the eternal dominion and kingdom of God. And these realities were so real to them that it shook them to the core at times, to where they couldn't even function in their earthly responsibilities. They talked with angels face to face. These are the thoughts that should be consuming us. These are the things that we should be dwelling on and spiritually daydreaming about, getting in the Word and picturing in our minds that kingdom. It, it's, it, it exists in the here and now, just beyond the veil of what we can see with the naked eye. It is just as real now as it was to Ezekiel and Isaiah and Daniel. And the realm of God that is meant to captivate our senses so completely and totally that even if they were stoning us in the middle of the street tomorrow, we wouldn't feel a stone. We wouldn't see anyone throwing them. We would look up into the sky and we would see Jesus, just like Stephen did, standing at the right hand of God with his arms open ready to receive us. I am not trying to be dramatic. I am trying to get out of my spiritual system something that I want you to grab onto. 
I'm holding this this out to you, hoping you will grab onto it violently and take it for yourself and take it into your own being. Because as God is my witness, this is the place where each and every one of us must come to in this end time. This must be our mindset. This must be the spiritually minded believer we become if we are going to be overcomers. This is the bottom line for each and every one of us. And this has been my sole intent and purpose in everything I've said in the last 23 episodes. We must become believers who see the spiritual realities of the coming kingdom of God and everything that it entails. We must have a living, breathing, shining, blinding vision of this on the inside of us that no darkness, no evil, no demons can overpower or quench or extinguish. I hope you're hearing me. And that no enemy, no persecutor can ever take it from us. Can never torture it out of us. Invisible, heavenly realities, so alive and so real on the inside of us that the threat of martyrdom would just make us laugh. And if we are not there yet, then let's get busy, guys, renewing our minds, opening up to everything, opening up everything we are to the Holy Spirit. Just, you don't have to understand any of this with your mind. Your your mind, let it stay in the back seat. It's flaky anyway. Let the Holy Spirit have his way as completely as he needs to. Don't hold anything back. Give yourselves over to the Spirit of the living God as completely as you know how. Tonight, now, right where you are. There are spiritual realities, guys, that we are going to need to have living on the inside of us. Daniel, for example, Daniel is living proof that those who make it their business to pray and hold audience with God Almighty every day can change the course of nations with supernatural power, including visions and angelic visitations. Now, in Daniel's case, the angelic visitations and interventions reveal the power of the living kingdom of God and its direct impact, control, and influence on the kingdoms of men, but only when redeemed men and women pray in a concerted effort. In other words, those angelic interventions did not just happen willy-nilly. They happen in concert with the people of God exercising their kingdom authority through prayer, fasting, and intercession. I believe with all my heart that we need to get the word of God in us, in our hearts and in our minds, to the extent that it brings us up to a level of understanding and expecting angelic interventions and visitations that serve to promote the purposes of God in the earth and see them as part and parcel of our being citizens in the kingdom of God. 
Now in the book of Hebrews, it clearly states that angels are sent to be ministering servants for those who are heirs of salvation, which is us. So angelic participation, involvement, and intervention in the lives of believers should not be something that is considered rare or flaky because the Bible certainly does not portray it in that manner. We need to get our faith and our spiritual understanding up to the same level that people in the Word of God had concerning not just angelic intervention, angelic assistance, but all of the ways in which God showed himself strong on his people's behalf. We need to get our faith and our spiritual understanding up to the same level and begin graduating from spiritual preschool. I really encourage you just to do a thorough reading of the book of Daniel because that book alone is a prophetic primer of what the end time church will be required to go through and what the end time church will be required to be like. In other words, the book of Daniel reveals the spiritual condition that the people of God must clearly expect to be in to face the things we will be confronted with. The supernatural manifestations of the kingdom of God that were operative in Daniel's life as just one consecrated man were dreams, visions, angelic encounters that were all part and parcel of his heavenly commissioning and they were undergirded by his uncompromising consecration to God Almighty. Obviously, he was not a charismatic flake. I know there's some religious buzzing in the background, maybe. When you start talking about visions and dreams and angelic encounters, that's all through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. So God is the author of these things. And Daniel was a diligent, unswervingly consecrated and committed servant of the Most High God. And that is where we need to draw our example from. We have to come individually to a place of dedicated consecration to God, to His kingdom, and an unwaveringly, unapologetic commitment to His living word and everything that it includes, such as an active supernatural faith, fasting, prayer, intercession, expectation of the supernatural realm of the Holy Spirit, visions, dreams, the prophetic, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, all operating fluently in us and through us in a way that none of us needs to feel ashamed of or apologetic of in the least little bit. Rather, we should be determined and militantly uncompromising that these things will be a part of our spiritual life, our spiritual armor, and a part of our spiritual walk as kingdom men and women. Now, in 
meditating on this the last couple of days, I began to recall a lot of events in my own life that I knew were angelic in nature, but I simply just forgot about over the course of time. I was miraculously spared after being born extremely premature with double pneumonia. Actually, what had taken place was my mom was not given a lot of hope that I was going to survive. And she cried out to God. She was in the church chapel. And I remember her telling me later in life, she said she told God if he would spare my life, she would dedicate me to him. I was the only one of three brothers, three sons, that was dedicated to the Lord in that manner and with that level of commitment. And I was the only one of three sons who never got off on drugs and a bunch of other mess. I was supernaturally spared from several accidents that would have killed me instantaneously. I was spared from two dog attacks that would have left me dead. One incident where I should have drowned. One fall from a cliff where I was miraculously spared. And I was also supernaturally spared from two violent mugging attacks. And there's more, but I don't want to drone on. But to underscore the fact that if we are born again from above we should expect that God is able to do supernatural things in our lives we here in the west have a religious system that is masquerading and has masqueraded for hundreds of years as Christianity when it is a system of rational religious thought. There is no spiritual life to it whatsoever. And it is this system that has conditioned our minds to be skeptical, unbelieving, and here we are calling ourselves Christians as having been born again. And to claim to be born again, but to be skeptical of the supernatural nature of the God that we say saved us and caused us to be born again is absolutely beyond insane. I think as we begin to dwell on and meditate on the extent to which God has provided for us in the here and now, supernaturally, via the Holy Spirit, via the power of faith in the living Word of God, we will be strengthened spiritually to the point that we will be able to walk out these end times with no fear and complete confidence in our God, our Father, our Redeemer, our Deliverer, our Provider, our Healer. That is the bar that is set. That is the bar that is set in the Word of God. 
And we need to spiritually build ourselves up to reach that bar instead of settling for American religion, which has dropped the bar all the way to the ground so we could just easily step over it. The Word of God clearly states that those who come to God must believe that He is. Not that He was, that He is. And that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. That is all on a spiritual level. Meaning, you cannot see God, so you must by faith believe that He exists. That He is and that he is everything that he says he is and can do everything that he says he will do and that all of his promises are not a lie but they are his very word backed by his character and his nature and if you by faith believe that he is and believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him then you must also believe in everything that he has given to us as spiritual provision beginning with the power and baptism and then filling of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, his own promises, his own declared promises that we shall dream dreams and see visions. That was out of the mouth of God speaking through Joel the prophet, not some charismatic flaky guy. That was the word of God. And in the provision of the ministry of angels who have been sent to minister to us and for us, to be ministers of his protection and deliverance and preservation because we are his blood-bought people. And as such, everyone listening, we should rightly expect his supernatural, ongoing provision, deliverance, protection, etc. Folks, this is the level that our minds and our thoughts should be operating on at all times on a daily basis without exception. And we must hold ourselves individually to living and believing and thinking at that level. This is New Testament Christianity, not the American version that we've been sold into, bought into, grown up in. It is time to rip those religious grave clothes off. Jesus Christ is calling you out of the tomb of dead religion. And he is saying to you, come forth into New Testament Christianity empowered by the Holy Spirit. Come out of the religious tombs. And he will give you the power. When Jesus called Lazarus out... Lazarus didn't have to lay in that tomb thinking, well, you know, should I should I come out? I mean, I'm all in these grave clothes. I'm going to be embarrassed. I might even stink, and I might offend some people. When Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, the power in his words, because that was the Holy Spirit coming upon him to do that. Jesus said, I don't do anything of my own initiative. I only do what I see my father doing. How did he see his father in heaven doing anything? By revelation of the same Holy Spirit that you and I are supposed to be taking our guidance and orders and leadership from. 
we have to discipline our minds to conform to the supernatural living word of God and we do not allow our minds to flake out or take a day off or take an easier path. We stick to the path of the word of God and we do not veer off or compromise. You, me, you are the individual you are individually the commanding officer of your brain, your mind and your thought life. You tell it what to think, and you make your mind line up with the living word of God, and you do not just go easy or soft on your mind. You make it line up. You take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Now, this is the life of faith that was so emphasized in the early 80s, but what happened was the churches grew prosperous, and they wandered away from the truth of the living Word of God, and they began teaching things that would just make them more prosperous, make them more money, make them look more successful outwardly, while spiritually they became pygmies. But the message of walking by faith and living by faith in the Word of God is already in the Word of God. And it was cemented in my spirit, and it never left me, thank God. Two years after I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was casting out demons, and I was still pretty much just a baby Christian. So you can't tell me that this can't be walked out. And now here we are at the most critical time in human history, and it is way past time for spiritual boot camp. We got a lot of catching up to do. So, having said all of that from my heart, I want to say one more thing. And if I only had five more minutes left to live, this is what I would say to everyone listening. And I am speaking to all of you as my precious brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. I am speaking to all of you as believers for whom the Holy Spirit was sent to lead you and guide you into all truth, to be your counselor, your comforter, and your guide every minute of every single day. If you have not received him in the fullness for which he was sent, remember Jesus said he would baptize us in the Holy Spirit. He also said the Father will give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him. So if you have not received him, if you have not received the Holy Spirit in his fullness and manifested power with the biblical New Testament evidence of speaking with other tongues as per the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. Speaking with other tongues means you are you now have the ability to commune with your Heavenly Father in spirit and in truth as Jesus stated the Father is seeking such to worship Him. Then as your devoted brother in the Lord, I am asking you on the Lord's behalf that you make your next piece of spiritual business you conduct with your Heavenly Father between you and Him. And I'm asking you to do that with this in mind. That it is the most important and vital thing you can do right now before before moving forward with anything else. There is absolutely nothing on this earth more important to your Heavenly Father than you receiving the Holy Spirit He wants to give you the Holy Spirit was called the promise of the Father. 
Furthermore, it is the most vital thing you can do in this end time. At the risk of overstating, I'm going to say it again. It is imperative that every single believer understands that without the fullness of the Holy Spirit indwelling you and empowering you to the fullest, it is very unlikely that you will have the spiritual resources to make it through what is coming. If I felt there were a more pressing spiritual issue to discuss right now, believe me, I would be doing it. But this issue is beyond paramount. It is a matter of life or death, spiritual survival or failure. And before God, I would not be faithful to what God has called me to do and be if I did not continue to drive this issue home every single podcast, but especially now, because in the spirit, I feel things are about to take a very drastic turn for which you will not be prepared without the third person of the Godhead dwelling in you to the fullest extent. So as your brother in the Lord, I'm exhorting every single one listening to this, make this your absolute top priority. If you have to take a week off from your job, if you have to spend your planned vacation focusing on this one thing, then please, beloved, at all costs, do that. Your efforts will pay eternal dividends to you spiritually. We must absolutely come to a place where we understand beyond all understanding that without the Holy Spirit fully indwelling us and empowering us and leading us, we have nothing. Without the Holy Spirit indwelling us, we are in the most spiritually vulnerable place you can possibly imagine. And I've been there, more open to spiritual attack, left only with our mental and emotional reserves to deal with spiritual forces that we will be no match for. I lived that for five years. I don't recommend it. With the empowerment and indwelling of the Holy Spirit and His fullness, our spiritual lines of communication with heaven itself are open 24 hours a day. We will be more receptive to His presence, His moving, His power, His wisdom, His guidance. We are more connected to our angelic support. We are able to partake of and receive the supernatural divine strength and empowerment of God himself on a moment-by-moment basis because the Holy Spirit will be indwelling us and imparting that directly to our inner man, our spirit man, our inner man Paul spoke of continually. Be strengthened with all might by his power in your inner man. That is what this is all about. All of these resources are important parted to us directly from the Holy Spirit, but only as he indwells us. The Holy Spirit doesn't live in your mind. He doesn't live in your soul realm or your emotions. He lives in your spirit. And God has taken every step to provide all that he is to each and every one of us on the most personal level of all. But he is not going to invade any of us. That is why Jesus said, your heavenly father will give the Holy Spirit To them that ask him. That is the words of Jesus himself. And I am living proof that he meant exactly what he said. But I am also living proof that he meant what he said. When he said you must become as little children. You must humble your mind. 
Humble your religious pride. Humble your own way of thinking. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And then ask your heavenly father, as a little child asks its father for the gift he wants to give you in the Holy Spirit. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is the entryway to all that is in God's kingdom in the here and now, but you can only enter it as a little child. Jesus said so many times over and over, except you become as little children. Not become little children, become as little children. In your mind, in your heart, you will not be able to enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God exists now continually 24 hours a day in the spirit. If you do not enter that kingdom as a humble little child through your father and through the Holy Spirit, you cannot enter into it at all. And we here in the West have had so many roadblocks and log jams in our minds that have kept us from experiencing kingdom realities And it is time we dynamite those log jams so we can receive the surpassing spiritual provision through the Holy Spirit. That is why I'm laboring so hard in trying to frame this in the right words so that every person listening can get it, can understand what I'm trying to convey. I've been walking in this for over 38 years, and I can assure you that my first five years as a believer were nothing compared to the 38 years I have spent with the Holy Spirit, and I do not know where I would be today without Him. And if I could personally lay hands on each one of you and impart to you everything He has been to me, I would do it. But I have to rely on simply being His voice and His messenger to you and trust that the Holy Spirit will make these things real to you, my brother and sister, and He will open the eyes of your heart and your understanding and give you the childlike faith to open yourself up completely to Him as the eternal God who wants to dwell within you, fellowship with you, speak with you, visit with you, and fill you with His power and might and wisdom every single day till Jesus splits the skies wide open. Now, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1.7, Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift, as you eagerly await for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. More than any... Read it again. Read it again. 1 Corinthians 1.7 Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. What does that mean? More than any other passage in the New Testament are being empowered by and equipped with the gifts of the Holy Spirit are directly connected to our being able to successfully stand in the faith until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the Apostle Paul's word on that subject. So, in the name of Jesus, I speak blessings over all of you, my brothers and sisters, and I pray for just a profound, awesome impartation of the Holy Spirit of Revelation to your hearts and your minds, to open your, your hearts up to everything we've talked about tonight for the past hour almost. 
and pray for my throat because uh as you've noticed i never take a pause uh when i'm doing this i've got a a cup of coffee next to me that's cold now because i don't even take a pause to do that i want to use every second of the time we have because anchor allows me 60 minutes and then i get cut off i don't want to be cut off which means i've got to keep talking and inwardly praying for God's spirit to anoint everything I'm saying to your spiritual ears so that these words will sink deep into your ears. Jesus would say, let these sayings sink deep into your ears. I'm praying the Holy Spirit will cause everything I've said to you tonight to sink deep, 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 deep into your spiritual ears, into the soil of your spirit and your heart, and those words will come to life. You go to sleep tonight. I pray that you will dream about everything I talked about. I pray that God will give you visions and dreams tonight that will awaken you to his power and his presence in a way you've never known before. As Paul said to, I believe, the Corinthians, if you stand strong then we have joy. And that is the way I feel about every one of you that's listening to me tonight. If you can receive of the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the way we've been talking about, then I am blessed. I am full in my heart. I am full. I am blessed. But if I even have the slightest feeling or sensation that there are those out there struggling to receive this or understand it, my burden continues. And I've had this burden for a very, very long time. I'm ready to start feeling like there are some believers out there jumping up and down for joy inside their spirits, Receiving the living word of God, the engrafted word with meekness, it says. Receive with meekness the engrafted word that is able to save your souls, that is able to impart life to your souls. And I encourage you to spend time in the word of God like never before this week. And let the Holy Spirit be your guide and be your teacher. And if you feel a lack of connection with him... Just trust. He's able to make the connection happen. All you have to do is be like a little child and just say, Holy Spirit, I want more of you. Father God, I want more of you. I want more of your presence on the inside of me. I want it to be more real than I've ever known it before in my life. If he could do it for me, I know he can do it for you. I love you all and you are in my thoughts and prayers. And I bless you in Jesus' name.